Well, welcome to Water of Life. We are so glad that you are joining us wherever you are in the world. We wanna say welcome if you're online, if you're over at our Townsville campus, we are so glad to be with you this weekend. Well, if you don't know me, my name is Victoria and I'm one of the youth pastors and I'm also your host this weekend. And so I'm here to share with you all of the amazing things that are happening at our church. But first things first, as a reminder, if you're new here, if this is your first time at Water of Life, we wanna say welcome. We are glad that you're with us. But if you can do this for me, grab your phone and text the word new here to 818-818 where we can connect with you and learn more about you and also share with you all of the amazing things that are happening at Water of Life. And so speaking of what's happening at Water of Life, I was thinking about this and this time last year, we were launching a campaign, a program that is mo most popularly known as Financial Peace University. And if you know anything about FPU, it's a program ran by Dave Ramsey and it helps us to be good stewards of our finances because we believe that God calls us to be great stewards of our finances and Financial Peace University helps us do that. And so we are excited to share that this year, we are going to be a part of Ramsey Plus. And if you're asking me, Victoria, what's Ramsey Plus? Well, it's Financial Peace University, but with additional resources, with more content, with classes, all of the things that you love about FPU and more. And here at Water of Life, we are so passionate about this that Water of Life is going to be covering the cost for all of our church family. Anyone who wants to be a part of the classes, a part of the content and the resources free of charge. And so if that's you, if you're interested in being a part of our Ramsey Plus, like I mentioned, it's going to be free. We are going to be starting online classes starting next week. And so you can register online by checking out wolfpu.com. We would love to see you registered and a part of Ramsey Plus. Another thing that's going on is Pastor Shane is gonna be bringing an awesome message on family this weekend. But next weekend, we also have another special guest. We are gonna be welcoming Dr. Jim Burns to our church to share next weekend. And if you don't know anything about Dr. Jim Burns, he is the director and the founder of Homeward Ministries and is also the executive director of Homeward Ministries of the youth and the family over at Azusa Pacific University. And he's gonna be sharing with us next week. And so we would love to invite you to invite your friends, anyone that you know, to check us out next week because he's going to be sharing an awesome word about family and the importance of family. But not only is he going to teach from the pulpit, but he is also going to be teaching a seminar directly after our Sunday night 5 p.m. service. And we would love to invite you to come out and be a part of the seminar. So Dr. Jim Burns is going to be teaching what it means to do life with your adult children. Because how many of us know that even though your kid might be over 18 or out of the house, that you are still called to be parenting them, right? So Dr. Jim Burns is going to teach you and walk you through what it means to parent your children through their adult years. And so if you have adult children, if you would love to be a part of the seminar, again, Dr. Jim Burns will be teaching that live next Sunday on September 27th. For an individual, it's $20 to attend the seminar or $25 for the couple. And we would love to invite you to be a part of it. So if you'd like to register, you can do that on our website at wolupdates.com. 
And so we're going to be entering into a time of worship. And like always, if you would love to worship with your tithes and your offerings, you can do that on our website or on our mobile app. But we're going to go into a time of corporate worship. And I was reminded as I was praying this morning about this idea that the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of our people. And maybe you're asking me, Victoria, what does that mean? It's this idea that when we praise, when we worship, that God is present in our midst, that he's near to us. And I don't know about you, but in this season, I need the presence of Jesus in my life, amen? Because when God, when, when his presence is in our life, right, something changes. When Jesus is present, right, there's peace, there's comfort, there's freedom, there's healing in the presence of Jesus. And so as we praise and as we worship today, would we believe that, that his presence is here? Wherever you're watching, that his presence is there. And so let's enter into this time of worship, believing that God is near. So let's pray together. Jesus, we need your presence. We need your nearness. And so God, we lay down all the things that we have been holding this past week. Maybe it's been anxiety, maybe fear, the things that we've been carrying. We lay that down and we say, Jesus, we wanna just be in your presence today. And so we invite you into this time. Holy Spirit, come. We love you and we worship you and we give you all the glory and honor and praise. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Wherever you are, let's stand together and let's worship. Hello, water of life. Come on, let's worship the king together. No matter what the circumstances, no matter where we are, no matter what's going on, we will still bless your name, Lord. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. Blessed.
We do serve a perfect and good Father, amen? We serve a God who is faithful. We're gonna sing a new song about the promises of God, the faithfulness of God.
It says, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, your name will be praised. God, your name will be praised forever and ever. And with that very breath that you put into our lungs, may we return it, Lord, with praise back to your name. Blessed be your name in every season, every circumstance. There's nothing too big for you, our God. So we stand here and boldly declare that you are our Father which we can run to, we receive help from you. So Lord, as we worship you tonight, may our hearts be opened, may our eyes be open, Lord. Come do a work inside of us, we welcome you here. It's in your precious name we worship you. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, God bless you guys. Welcome, we're so glad you're here. Welcome online, give a wave to those around you and let's prepare our hearts for the word. God bless you guys. Welcome back to another weekend at Water of Life. How are all of you doing? 
Well, some of you here cheering and some of you are hanging out at home this weekend, and we're just really glad that you're with us. Uh, some of you are with us out in Townsville, our, cam- our other campus that is open right now. We just want to say we love you guys. And we're so glad to be with you. Uh, my name is Shane, and we are uh, going to launch into a brand new series this weekend. But uh, before we do that, I want to do a couple things this weekend. First, we got some really important things in our church's life coming up, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But I thought it'd be really good for us as we started this weekend, um, as we've been moved around the last few weeks, if you've been following us, even if you're just streaming, you just stumbled on, you might stumble onto one of other services when we've been inside because of the smoke and the fires. And I just thought, you know what, there's so much going on around us, just even here in Southern California. I thought it'd be good. Some of you have family and friends that are firefighters and people whose homes and lives have been impacted by the fires all across our state. I just thought it'd be really good for us, important for us as a church community to stop and just to pray together today. So I want to do that right now. If you've got somebody in your family or somebody that you care about is serving out there, we just want to say thank you. But more than that, we just want to ask for protection over people. Can we do that together? Father, we know that you care more about what happens on this planet than we ever could imagine. We also know this, that you invite us to partner with you to pray into things, to believe that you can heal, change, restore, and bring order to the things that are full of chaos. God, it feels like this year, just what it needed was just fire on top of everything else. But here's what we say. We know that you are big enough, strong enough to meet us in the moment of need, to protect our friends and our family, and more than that, to bring sense out of chaos and bring order to the things that you want your hand into. So we ask that you do that today. This weekend that you'd meet people, that you protect life, but more than that, you bring peace in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Speaking of prayer, um, we, are, we came to you back in August and said, hey, listen, we got some plans for this fall. We're going to come to you. And so earlier this week, Pastor Dan came to you and shared a video. If you haven't been able to see that, you can go to wallupdates.com if you'd like to and see that. And that really is this, the heart about what we're going to do this fall. And as we prayed, and as we thought and dreamed into what this fall could look like, um, we felt like it was time for us to pivot away from some of the things we had planned and lean into something a little bit more probably important for this season. All of us, or if you've been around Water of Life, one of the things that we do frequently is January is a time of season, a season of prayer for us. And we felt like with the world we're living in right now with the impending uh, things that are happening, we have an election coming. We just thought, you know, the best thing that we could do as a community, as a church, would be to stop and spend 40 days teaching and living out a life of prayer. And here's what that's going to look at. This is going to be big for all of us, and this is why we want to come to you and share about it. Here's what's going to happen. For those 40 days, we're going to teach on prayer, and we're going to have small groups on prayer, and that's why you've heard us for the last few weeks tell you, please consider hosting. You don't even have to lead. We'll have videos for you. We will hold your hand through the entire process. But it's important for each of us to get into community. Some of us for months have been doing life by ourselves. We come, we hide, you're sitting at home, you're still stuck at home. Listen, we're going to create groups online. We're going to create groups where you can be safe. We're going to create groups where you feel at your level of comfort. But the thing is, is we've got to do this together. No matter which way we, we lean in a political party, no matter which way we, listen, we have got to do this life together. And as a church, we need to come together around this. This is going to be big for us as a church. Everybody from our Empowered Kids all the way through our Sunday weekend services, we're going to have people participating. And this is so important. Here's why. We're going to start with a night of worship in a few weeks. October 16th, we'll have a night of worship where we kick things off and we get going. But here's the important part. We need to lean into this together. I don't know about you, but when we talked about praying ourselves into the election, I couldn't think of a better way for us to lean into this moment. You look back at 2020 and just say, it needs prayer. And the rest of it does too. 
And I hope you'll join us and hope you'll lean in with us. If you'd like to get more information about that, head over to wallupdates.com. We'd love to get you registered to sign up. Um, If you are online this weekend, there'll be a banner you can click on. If you are on campus this weekend, there's actually a booth sitting in the back where you can get registered and sign up. We want to host you. We want to care. We want to learn. We want to grow together. But this is something that can reshape our community, our country, if we choose to let God do what he wants to do in us. And it starts with prayer. Amen? So as I said, we are starting a brand new series, and this is uh, really a series around parenting and family and growing ourselves spiritually, as you might have discovered. And so what we want to do is on the forefront say this, first of all, we're really glad that you're here. Second of all, some of you are going, I'm not a parent. And third of all, some of you are saying, I'm done parenting. No cheers. That's all right. But here's the thing, though. Some of you are done parenting. The next season of life looks a little bit different. And for those of us who are walking into parenting, life looks a little bit different. And one of the beautiful things about our church and our community is that we have people in every single stage of that journey. And the thing we're going to discover as we journey together through this entire series is this. Whether you're a parent or you've never been a parent, whether you are a youth worker or whether you're a teacher or whether you're a coach, we all know this, that what we do with the life that we have influences the next generation. And how we leverage the time and how we leverage our lives will determine the future of the next generation. So here's our thought. The thing we're going to discover through this whole time together is this, is that the way that we lead our families and the community and the young people that we influence is, is absolutely connected to the way that we first and foremost lead ourselves. See, the idea of leading our families spiritually the idea of guiding our family spiritually. Some of us, the most spiritual time of the week is when we pack our kids in the minivan and we try to get to church. Now, that's a distant you know, memory at this point for some of us, although we are able to come back together, some of us with kids. But here's a thought, and this is something just to, to set in front of you. Could it be possible that just showing up on the weekend or turning on the TV and streaming a podcast on a weekend might be the most spiritual moment of the week? And the question for us is, can we make it look a little bit different? Whether you're grandparents, whether you're moms and dads, whether you have little kids, you got teenagers, listen, probably the hardest thing that we ever face is what does it mean to be a spiritual leader in our home? How do we guide and care and lead our children spiritually? So the question for each of us is, first and foremost, how am I leading myself with Jesus? For most of us, the idea is overwhelming. How do I lead other people when I don't know how to lead myself? How do I grow when I don't know how to grow myself? And many of us wouldn't even know where to start if we wanted to. Well, first of all, first and foremost, we just want to say this. We get it. And the thing we want to journey together with is say out in the fore, nobody's an expert parent. The other thing is this, is nobody's an expert on leading ourselves to follow Jesus except for Jesus. But we can journey together. We can have conversations. We can grab ideas and choose to lean into things that Jesus has for us. So next week, we do have somebody who spent an extraordinary amount of time leaning into what it means to be a parent and how to grow and how to change and how to help us lead our families. And so he's going to be here with us. He'll teach next weekend. Then we have a seminar coming. You heard Victoria this weekend talk about that a little bit. Listen, some of you are saying, I don't have adult children. I don't know what it looks like for me to lead with my adult children, how to parent my adult children. But the truth of the matter is, is some of us are raising young children that will eventually be adult children. If we can understand what it means to raise adult children and lead adult children, we can learn learn a little bit better about how to lead our young children as well. Listen, we want to give you baby steps. We want to give you a place to grow and to change. Now, I don't know about you, but in my life, uh, life has been for the most part defined by dates. 
right? Birthdays, wedding days. Now, here's my journey really quick. I'll just give it to you in really quick. October 25th, November 13th, January 29th, and I'll walk you through this. And sometime in March, and I'll explain what I mean here in just a second. So this is what happened for me October 25th. It's a good day. For me, I don't know about her. We'll figure that out later. All right. On November 13th of 2016, this little guy showed up. He doesn't look like this anymore. He's cute here. He's probably jumping on his mom somewhere at home. And this is uh, November 29th. This is a good day. Yeah. She's still cute. Here's the thing. You and I both know this. Oh, and then one more thing. This is just, you know, uh, sometime in November, we'll have another date that we get to celebrate because there's another one of those little on the way. So, but here's the thing. Thanks, it's really kind of you. Some of you at home are like, hurry up, get to the point. <clears throat> here's, here's the point. Every single one of us have life defined by dates and determined by dates. The most important things in our lives are marked out by dates. All of them. The thing I'm going to ask you today as we lean into this conversation and the thing I'm going to ask us at the end is this. What does today represent for you, for your family, for my family, and how we lead ourselves in leading into those moments? Now, we're going to jump into a conversation where Jesus is kind of walking us into this. And this is going to happen in Luke. We're going to spend almost all our time together this weekend in the book of Luke. If you'd like to turn over there, Luke chapter 6. Jesus is beginning a conversation that um, really he's drawing from uh, Luke, the author, is drawing from Matthew. And the thing that we want to kind of understand in the background here, and the thing that's so key about Luke is this. Luke is the guy who went and interviewed all the disciples after he discovered what Jesus is all about. Luke has an encounter with some Jesus followers in the, first, in the first century. And what he does is he goes and begins to interview them. And he takes their stories and begins to create an account for someone he's writing his, what we call the book of Luke today, his account of what happened with Jesus followers. And he passes it on to this person who wants, his name's Theophilus, this person that wants to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And this is where Luke hits some home runs for us because Luke gives us this idea of what it means to actually be a follower of Jesus. Not just the stories of Jesus. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? If you're interested in being a follower of Jesus, this is a fantastic place to start because this is Luke's entire point. Now, the thing that we know, the thing that you know, the thing that I know, is this is that our spiritual walk as parents, listen, We'll discover this, and we might not like to admit it, but it's true, that our spiritual walk as parents is and will always be the most important tool that we can nurture and grow in this life. And Jesus, well, Jesus kind of leans into this a little bit. In Luke chapter 6, he says this, and I'll ask you to read part of it with me in just a second. He says, can a blind person lead another blind person? No, then won't they both fall into a ditch? He goes on in verse 40 and says, students are not greater than their teacher, are they? But the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. He goes on and continues and says, and why worry about a speck? And this is the part of this story we've all heard. Log, We don't like this story because we're all guilty of this, right? And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye? And he goes on and says, when you can't see the past log in your own, excuse me, past the log in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Now, I'm going to ask you to read this next part because this is the part we're going to lean into a little bit because this is the part that zeroes on on what it means for us to be parents. 
what it means to be nurturers of the next generation, what it means for us to be coaches, grandparents, godparents. This is super key. So if you would, I'd like you to read this with me. It'll be up on the screen. It'll be up on your screen if you're sitting at home right now. We just want to say this. Listen, lean into this passage. Read it with us very quick because this is going to be one of those moments I think that we look back and say, aha. Can you guys read this with me? Jesus says to his disciples, a good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. It goes on in verse 44 and says, a tree is identified by its fruit. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. So here's a problem for you and me. <laughs> if you influence young people or you have kids, the problem we have is that our kids are being raised by the heart that we have. To which everybody said, yay. Right? So here's what Jesus is saying. And this is what he's going to get to and he continues to say, what we do as parents, how we live, how we spend, how we watch, how we eat, how we love, how we pray, listen, are the most important tools that we will have because they are the things that are being reproduced for what's happening inside of us. Jesus just said that. What happens inside of you gets reproduced outside of you. So what happens in the way that I live, spend, eat, love, pray, care, nurture, how I invest my time, we'll talk about that in just a second, fully reflects in my kids or in the people around me, in my marriage. It fully is a reflection of how I'm leading myself. See, if we're really honest, um, about who we really are, <laughs> our kids, listen, they're gonna absorb and the people around us that we're leading are going to absorb the things that we put out in front of them. Their tendencies are gonna be our tendencies. If we have a tendency to lie, cheat, and steal, they're gonna have a tendency to lie, cheat, and steal. If we have the tendency of give, save, live, and love other people, our kids are gonna have the exact same response. So here's a question. What are you, what are I, what are we committed to? Because here's what we all know, that we are all, as parents, parenting, leading, loving toward something. Whether you're a grandparent, a step-parent, listen, whether you're, whether you're a coach or a teacher, we are leading towards something. And the question for all of us, let's be real clear, real specific, at home, is what is our guiding goal? See, some of us have parenting tools and we've pointed our family at things that Jesus never, ever pointed to. And here's a question for us. What are, we point, what are we parenting and pointing toward? Maybe even a better question, what are we parenting out of? For us, are we parenting out of fear? Are we parenting out of protection? Are we parenting out of ego that we want our kids to be the best because we need to feel good about how good our kids perform? Are we parenting because we get sucked into the comparison trap all the time and we look at the way that parents and families appear on the outside and we want to look like that? Are we parenting out of a goal of education, that the most important thing could be that your kids have the best education, they get the best grades, they go to the best schools? Or, probably all of us have fallen into this trap at some point, are we parenting out of a not goal? which are not very good goals. And that goal is that goal of, I'm not going to parents like my parents. 
to which we all end up doing anyway. Come on, let's track with me here for a second. Because, listen, if we're going to determine the goal in the future and the direction that we've been called to do that, here's what we know. If you're a Jesus follower, that was already determined for us. Here's what he says. Love as Christ has always loved you. He points us over and over and over again to relationships, to restoring relationships, to nurturing those things. And that has to, as parents, if we're going to raise spiritually minded kids, mature kids, that has to be part of our goal. Jesus, a little bit later, goes into Luke chapter 16. You can turn over there if you want to. And he begins to introduce an idea to us. Something that probably intuitively know, but oftentimes we don't like to live out. And that's this idea. That parenthood, parenthood is a stewardship. As a, I've been in ministry for almost 15 years now. And for the last 15 years, I've spent the majority of that time working with youth and young adults. And the hardest conversations to have with parents, and if you've ever worked with students or, listen, the hardest conversation to have with parents is to look at parents and remind them if they're Jesus followers that their kids do not belong to them. Because we treat them like they're our possession. We treat them like the, it's, our, it's our natural desire. It's our natural inclination to think that my job is to control their life and they belong to me until they don't anymore. But the truth is, is that our kids are on loan. And Jesus gives us a really clear example of what that would look like to treat life as a stewardship. And here, here's what we know. Parenting isn't the only thing that is a stewardship. Our entire life, our resources, the, mo- the money, the intelligence, the life we've been given, the skills and the talents we've been given are a stewardship as well. This is a principle, and I know I joked at the front end, if you're not a parent or you're done parenting, that the truth is, is that all of this stuff points back to the way that we live. Whether you're in the beginning season of life, you just got married, whether you're in the sunset season of life, all of these things matter because here's what listen. It is a gift. All of this always has been a gift. It will always be a gift. And what we do it, we're accountable for. And Jesus goes on in Luke chapter 16 and gives us a little bit of an idea of what that is. Let me read this to you. He says, if you're faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with the greater responsibilities. He goes on and says this, if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, money, material, possessions, etc., who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And Jesus kind of leaves them hanging in this moment. And he continues and says, and if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with the things of your own? Let me pause here for a second. Jesus is kind of setting people up and saying, hey, by the way, what's the most important thing to God? <clears throat> This is what he's asking these people. He's saying this without saying it. What's the most important thing that God has? It is not people or it's not cars. It is not money. It is not stuff. It is not education. It's not sports. It's people. What do you say? The true riches of heaven is the kingdom and the kingdom is made up of people. And he goes on, if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things that you will possess or better yet, Steward, because Jesus is just coming off of, and this is really important, just coming off of telling this story. He just gets done telling the story of the parable of the talents, the good stewards. What he's saying is basically this. Hey, by the way, you are going to be assessed not by what you have, by what will you do with what you have. Here's what he's saying. Hey, by the way, life is a stewardship. The kids that you're entrusted with are kind of like the talents that are given to the servants to invest, to care for, to nurture, to cherish, to grow. And they weren't judged on how much they had. They were judged by what they did with it. 
This is good because here's why. Jesus gives us a little bit of hope in this. Because here's the thing. When we miss these moments, it gives us another chance. Because if you're not faithful with the other people's things, why should you be trusted with the things of your own? Jesus always turns us around and gives us another chance. It might be in grandparenthood. It might be in restoring that relationship with your college student. It might be recognizing that you helicopter parented all the way through college too, or maybe you didn't parent enough. But God always restores those moments when we choose to re-steward those things. So often Jesus compares things to money. But we all know this, if, we're, if we are diligent and we choose to, those things of the past, the debt, if you're referring to finances, can be overcome. The same thing's true in relationship. We have to make a determination in our hearts that we're gonna steward what, is time is le- what time we have left and to do it well. You know, what's interesting is um, a lot of times those are the obvious things, right? Let's jump into some of the not so obvious things. In 2 Timothy, uh, Timothy is being instructed by Paul and Paul's giving them a little bit of feedback about how they should lead. And a lot of times this is applied to leaders, but I think in our circumstance, this passage actually kind of teaches us a little bit too. He's writing to Timothy. Remember Paul instructed Timothy. Timothy was kind of like his, his understudy. He mentored Timothy. He leaned into him and he's writing this about how to lead. And he says this, preach the word of God. This is great instruction for us as parents. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. I I like this part. I just don't like the patient part. I just like the correct rebuke. Parents, anybody? All right. You guys are all just fantastic parents. That's great. I'm not very patient. I like to rebuke and correct. (laughs) Anyway. He goes on and finishes by saying this, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to the sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires. And they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and they will chase after things that are myths. So the question for us is this, We could sit here and debate whether we believe that our parenthood and our marriage and our resources and the time, talent, and the life that we've been given is a stewardship or not, because it's really antithetical to the way that we think, the way that we believe, the way that we feel, right? Or we could lean into that moment and go, I recognize that Jesus has entrusted me with this life and what I do with it is so important. Now, here's what I know. Here's probably what you know, and here's what we all know, is at some point we have to make a choice. What will determine the value of our life? Will it be that Jesus Christ is our Lord, Savior, and Creator? And some of you are sitting here, and some of you might have just stumbled across this on the internet, and you don't believe that. These principles will be great, but they will be still unfulfilling. They will change your life. They will restructure your life. But they will not transform you until you allow yourself and myself. So let the Holy Spirit transform who we were into who we need to be, and that always has to do with stewardship. It has to do with what we do with our time, talent, and our resources, and where we recognize our source of life to come from. So let's jump back to kids, parents. A couple things. We need to do a few things. We need to be ready to do a few things, and those few things look like this. First of all, we need to tell stories. Listen, we just talked through two passages from Jesus, a story from Paul talking to Timothy. And this is really important because if we are not ready to tell stories, we are going to miss opportunities to teach. I don't know what you talk about. In our home, we talk about them as teachable moments. You might talk about them as correctable moments. Some of you might not be talking about them at all, and you need to. 
Because teachable moments are taking the stories of the things around you, the things that happen inside your family, the things that are happening to your family, and they create opportunities to teach your family to run to God and not just, listen, not just when things are bad, but when things are good or when things are normal. And to teach our families, whether it's now or whether it's in the future, to teach your grandkids, listen, now or in the future, that Jesus is their source and that he's given them life that they have to steward. And the only way that happens is if we capitalize on opportunities to tell stories. Some of you are like, I'm not a good storyteller. Borrow somebody else's. Come on. Use somebody else's stories. There's great stories out there. Use books, whatever you have to do, but tell stories. Second thing is this, is you gotta keep up with culture. If you don't keep up with culture, culture will run over you. Listen, I'm not here to be the culture warrior. Let me just say this, that culture is happening whether we engage with it or not. If you choose to engage with it and help your kids wander through it, they will have a much better chance of succeeding as they face it. The best thing you could do is prepare your kids, either now or you can pay for the therapy later. Come on. If you help them figure out what this life is about and where their source is, because here's what we all know. At some point, our kids will wander. The question is, what will they circle back to when they recognize that the wandering is empty? Will they circle back and try again and again, or will they circle back to the thing that mom and dad and that grandma and grandpa and aunts and uncles and that coach and that teacher always said to them, listen, that what you do with your life matters. It is a gift. And do something significant with it. Because you are given life by the creator of the world. Listen, these are the things we want our kids to return to, right? Here's the other thing. As we keep up with culture, there's a couple things we gotta do. First of all, you gotta be aware. Some of us hand our phones to our kids and say, fix it. Parents, if you are parenting children that are under 18, you should know everything that is on their phone. I don't have, there's not enough time in the year for us to go through the things that your kids can discover on their phones that you don't know about. That's not to make you feel dumb. That is not to criticize you. That is to say this, if your kids are outpacing you, find somebody who's smarter than them and learn from them about what they have and what they could have on their phone, in front of their face. It is no longer just a computer. I know this is not newsflash to anybody, but listen, this is about helping your kids understand that what comes in, remember what we talked about at the very beginning of our time together, that Good things can produce good fruit. And when your kids want to have the question of why can't I watch this? Why can't I do that? Why can't? You look at that and you say, because when you're jacked up inside, bad things come out. Listen, they need to hear that from you. Hey, when you're broken and when you're sick and when you're evil inside and when you put evil in, you get evil out. It's not a question of if, it is only a question of when. How long you can put junk in before you recognize that you're always going to get junk out. That doesn't matter whether you're a parent or you're a kid or whether you're trying to navigate the last part of life. What we put in always comes out. Now, here's the thing. This is gonna be hard and this is not gonna be a fun one to talk about, but I'm gonna talk about it for a second. That you and I, we, our responsibility is to manage, and this is important, to manage the pace of our family's life. Here, look. If we don't manage the pace of our life, somebody will determine the pace of our life for us. 
And we said this at the beginning, and I'll come back to this for just a second, because I get that this is real practical. I get this is probably some of you are like, yeah, 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 yeah. Some of us need a reminder, and some of us have never considered these things for the very first time. Listen, if you don't determine how your family spends its time, somebody will determine it for you. The TV will, sports will, school will, your job will. If we don't determine what our family's course is, we will be pushed and pulled back and forth over and over and over again. Here's the thing. Your pace of life as a family will be determined by the thing that you are parenting towards or away from, but it will always be determined by the guiding principle that your family lives and dies by if you choose to have one. If you don't have one, it will get determined for us too. So, Here's the danger. The danger for each of us is that we can error when we don't have a guiding principle and we can end up with kids that are experienced rich. They go do all these things. They go to school. They're in band. They're in after school programs when those existed, right? Come on. They can do all those things. They can be in all the sports. They can be in all, that, all the club, everything. They can be experienced rich and they can be insanely spiritually and relationally and socially poor. Okay, truth time. The hardest conversations I've ever had, the ones that make me the saddest, and the ones that I know will determine the future of young people's lives are the ones when I've had with parents that, when I was a youth pastor, when we've been around Activate and Youth Play, when I hear parents say things like this, and I'm not making this up and I'm not picking on people, but I cannot believe when I hear parents say we don't have time for church. I don't have time to take my kid to small group. Let me say this. When those words aren't just something that happened, but they're intentionally expressed, the determination of your child, my child, and that child's future has already been determined because the fruit of the investment is being made for them. Listen, we live in a world that tells us about the things that are valuable. And we just read what 2 Timothy said. And the truth is that 2 Timothy, when Paul's writing to Timothy, he's making it clear. There's going to be a day when good looks good, looks bad, and bad looks good. The question for each of us isn't determined by what happens around us. It's by us being aware of what's going on around us and us leveraging against those things to understand what Jesus is doing in the middle of them. And I'll say this, and I'm going to say this over and over again. Listen, sports are so much fun. You can teach your kids and your kids can learn incredible, incredibly valuable lessons about how to overcome, how not to quit, teamwork. There are, my favorite people to work with are athletes because they get teamwork, they like to work hard, and they love, listen, they love to see the win happen. Here's the problem. That isn't everything. And parents, despite what you might think, your kid is probably not going to be a professional. No matter how many times you don't go to church, no matter how many times you pay for that batting practice, no matter how many times you pay for that club soccer team, no matter what private lessons they get in tennis, it will not change who they are unless you choose for it to. Watch this, and I'll get off this. <laughs> the thing that's so tragic about these moments is that they can break us, but they will never make us. Listen, we can learn valuable lessons in sports and we can learn valuable lessons in school and we can learn valuable lessons in education, but they will never make us. They can only break us. Doesn't mean you don't do it, but what you do with it is incredibly important because it can be a great thing that is turned and leveraged against us if we don't manage it 
well. Listen, what we do with the pace of our lives will be determined by the guiding principle is a spiritually healthy and mature family that wants to be together, that likes each other, that is relationally rich, the guiding goal of your family, or has experienced the guiding goal of your family and making sure that they're exposed to everything they can be exposed to become all they can be. The truth of the matter is, is that the second will never get your kids and my kids where we want them to be, but the first will. And we have told ourselves that they have to experience things. And they do. But the question for us is, are they experiencing things that lead them towards the kingdom of God? Are they leading, are experiencing things that are leading them towards the kingdom of this world? That's our question. The last thing is this. We, you can jump back to this last one. Jump back to the last slide, would you guys? We need to be intentional, consistent, creative with our family's time. This is, this is listen, intentional, Dumbass is consistent and creative with the way that we manage our family's time. We gotta, and I touched on this, and we gotta invest. My favorite conversations, I told you about my least favorite conversations. My favorite conversations are these ones when I hear this from families. Hey, we need to take our kids and we need to go to Mexico. We need to take our kids and serve and activate. We need to take our kids and we need to serve together in the parking lot or we need to serve together in Empowered Kids or in Club 56. Listen, these are my favorite conversations because they are understanding this. You can jump to the next one that they have a responsibility to invest in the kingdom and that they need to take their family and they need to serve others together and they need to live together and they need to give together and they need to do life with other people because here's the thing at the end of the day is that our kids' lives are going to be determined by the experiences and the people around them because our lives were not determined or, excuse me, designed to be lived alone. And if we choose to tell our kids that you can do it on your own, we have falsely told them that the kingdom of God rests on them and them alone, and they are the most important person. And the truth is, it's not true. See, Jesus tells us, hey, listen, when you steward your life, steward it towards other people. Because the least will be the greatest, and the greatest will be the least in my kingdom. What you do with your life, how you invest your time, will determine those things. Let me get you a couple of things. One of the biggest issues that we face all the time now <clears throat> is that we like to, as parents, like to save our kids, keep them from failing. Here's the error in this, and this is the struggle that, with enabling. One of the things is it minimizes and limits our kids' potential and their spiritual, emotional, and physical growth. Listen, physically, mentally, this stalls our kids out. And this is super important for them to lean into it and just touch on it and move on. When organizations that deal with addiction and recovery and care talk about enabling, um, the Betty Ford Foundation says this, and I think it's worth reading because this is something that struck me when we read it, and I think it should strike us, and we can move on from it, but it tells us something that's super important. It, we forfeit our ability to learn, grow, and mature when we don't have to walk through the consequences of our decision. They say this on their website, enabling behavior, simply put, shields people from experiencing the full impact and consequences of their behavior. Enabling is different from helping and supporting in that it allows the enabled person to be irresponsible. Listen, here's the hard part. You can jump to the next slide. That sheltering our kids from reaping what they have sown will always abort their ability to become a mature and spiritual person. This is hard because we live in a world that says, do everything for your kids, set them up for success. They need everything. And here, let me just say this. Sometimes less is more. 
And sometimes walking the hard road and learning the value of the mistake that we've made. Listen, here's what we all know. We don't ever actually grow until we face the consequences and the failures and the shortcomings. We all know this. We don't learn that financial lesson. We don't learn that marriage lesson until we have to walk through the journey of what it costs to actually live that way. Now, Kara Powell and the people at the Fuller Seminary Institute for Youth identify a bunch of things that are super, super, super helpful for parents. I'm going to walk through them really quickly with you today because I think there are things that you should probably take your phone out, take pictures of, parents, grandparents, teachers. They're really valuable things that you could use to lead the people that you lean into, this is, that your lives are being leveraged for. These are really, really, really good principles, and I don't have time to tease them all out, but I wanted to put them in front of you because I think they're super important for us to talk about. Let me talk through them really quick before we kind of land the plane today, but these are really fun, and if you lead, influence kids, these are really important. The first thing that they identify is helping young people become mature, healthy, listen, responsible young adults, is that first thing you need to do is empower. Kids and students need to lead early on. They need to have a voice into the conversation and not just be telling mom and dad what to do or their teacher or their parent. They need to be held responsible to actually execute those things and to walk out the vision that they have. The next thing they say is that we need to, as parents, empathize, to which most parents say no. We need to make a real effort to hear and understand our kids. This is a culture shift. I get this. This is a big, big, big generational culture shift. I get this. Kids are saying, please listen to me. Please listen to me. And you said, my parents didn't listen to anything. Look how good I turned out. Listen, this is important. Because when we do that, it gives us a gateway to do the next thing, which is this to take Jesus seriously. You, me, I, we, as a church, as the church of Jesus Christ, we need to take him serious. Listen, here's what that looks like. We need to model faith. That means that we need to serve. Our kids need to see us pray. They need to pray with us. Our kids should see us reading our Bibles. Our kids should see us going to community group. Our kids should see us doing life with people that look like Jesus and people that don't, and we're leveraging our lives into those people's lives. Listen, don't miss this. Because if we don't build community, our kids won't be able to thrive as adults because the kids that thrive as adults the most have adults or had adults in their life other than mom and dad speaking into their life who represented the values and the principles that mom and dad did. Listen, this is why we say get your kids in youth group, get them in empowered kids, get them in a small group and you get in a small group and build friendships for a lifetime because if your kids don't look up to your friends, They won't have anyone to look up to. And their life will be forever changed. As someone who has been forever changed by my parents' friends, to this day, I can pick up the phone and call people who are my parents' peers because of the life that they lived and they leveraged their lives into mine. Listen, you gotta do this for your kids. Some of this, us, this will be incredibly hard because this will mean us having to make relationships, to build community. And then prioritize our kids and our families. This is important. We gotta prioritize our families and our kids. We gotta be intentional and creative with your faith community. That means that when it doesn't feel convenient, we go do it anyway. Sometimes you have ideas and you think, oh, they don't wanna hear what I have to say. They're the professionals. We need to hear what you have to say because your kids live at home with you and our, our youth leaders and our people need your voice in there committing yourselves to seeing these kids grow in the kingdom of God. It's the only way any of us change. And the last thing they say that our kids need to see us do, this is rough, you ready? They need to see us be a good neighbor. And everybody said, amen. 
<laughs> they didn't see us be a good neighbor because here's why. When we prioritize and emphasize the greatness of the kingdom, that great goal of the kingdom to love your neighbor, our kids are watching and so are our neighbors. And here's what we know. That often our spouses and our kids are our very first neighbor. And if they see us live this way, and they see us avoid criticizing the world because here's what we all know, that the world is going to just be itself. This isn't about criticizing the world when we talk about our neighbors. It's about loving them. And as we set principles and we live a principled life, our kids will know the difference. So we need to expose our kids to the global community. They need to go. They need to travel. They need to serve. That, that changed my life. I can't emphasize how many lives I've seen change of young people and families. When they've gotten in a car and they've driven to Mexico, they've gotten on a plane and they allowed their life to be about somebody else for a long period of time, it reshaped the family. Here's what it means. Kingdom first. Our family is here to serve the kingdom of God. When we change that, it changes the entire orchestration of what we do. Listen, this is what you know, this is what I know, and this is what we don't want to hear. But it's true. That leading our families and leading our families well means that we must first follow Jesus. Come on. Some of us think we're following Jesus and we're not. Come on. You, me, this is all of us. This isn't just you, me. This is all of us. This is we. Listen, so we are often not following Jesus the way we think we are. And in order for us to lead ourselves well so we can lead our families and the people that God has entrusted us to influence, we have got to follow him first. So then the question comes for us. What place does Jesus sit in our life? In our finances, because our kids see that. In our job, because our kids see that. In our time, because our kids see that. Where does he rest? Because here's, here's what we know. That parenthood the stewardship. And this is the part that we don't like, but we all know it's true. That parenthood and life is a stewardship. And you and I are accountable. Come on. This isn't about guilt. This isn't about shame. This is about the honest reality that we've got to stare in the face and say, I'm accountable. You're accountable. We are accountable for the children that we raise. Whether it's grandchildren, whether it's stepkids, or whether it's the kid of the neighbor across the street who you decided to leverage your life for. We are accountable because we've been given a gift to this life. We've been given a gift to speak, to love, to care, to leverage ourselves into other people's lives, to put ourselves second to our neighbor and make our life more valuable because of the way that we leverage ourselves into other people. Because parenthood, life alone is a stewardship and we're accountable. If you're not a parent, listen, just put, just listen, life is a stewardship. We are given life and what we do with it matters. It can change the world for Jesus. It can change the world for our neighbors. It can change the world for our kids and what we do with it absolutely matters. I want to leave you with one thought. I thought it was super good. I'm, I heard it this week and I couldn't not share it with you. Annie and Sandra Stanley said this. That we're writing the story, the way that we live as parents, as moms, dads, grandparents, step-parents. We are writing the story that our kids will tell. The question we have to ask is, what story 
do we want them to tell? When I heard that this week, I thought, man, I am. Um, I don't know about you as parents, where, where your kids are, but you feel the pressure what, raise. <laughs> you feel the, wow, what have I done bad? And what, or some of you are in a place where you're looking at it going, I did this bad already. And this, and this. The story can always be rewritten. What we do with the opportunity we have for the time we have left is what is most important. What story do we want to tell? Because we started the conversation saying this, listen, Days are, our lives are marked out by dates. So the question I have for you, for me, for us, is what does today's date mean to you and your family? Will today be the day that we begin to address the way that our family story has been written and will be written? Or will it be today that we look back and wish that it was the day that we had chosen to rewrite our family story? So I want to pray for you really quick. But before we do that, I want to give you a couple of things to think about. This is important, and I don't want to be, I want you to reflect on a couple of thoughts here. First, are, are we parenting as stewards or owners? Are we grandparenting? Are we step-parenting? Are we as stewards? If we're not parents, are we living as stewards? Are we living as owners of this life? The second thing is, what is the past, what does the past have to do with the present that is compromising the future. Every single one of us, we didn't talk about this a lot, but this is important. Every single one of us has carried part of our story into the present, and unless we address some of those things, it is going to compromise the future. Your family of origin story, your past marriage story, listen, all of it. What is it that's gonna compromise? And the last thought is this. And what new ways, and what new ways can we begin to lead our kids and ourselves spiritually. Do we need to get in that small group? Do we need to come back to church? Do we need to get in community with people so that other people can influence our kids for Jesus too? What does that look like? What new habits? Does it just need to start with reading the Bible every night and praying together as a family? What does that look like? As we're going to finish right now, but I just want to say this. Listen, parenting is and will always be the hardest thing we ever do. And none of, none of us are experts. But as we grow, the first thing we can do is this. We can begin to lead ourselves well. As we lead ourselves, so we lead others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you and you alone can change us. You can heal us. You can reshape us. You can restore us. And you can give us new life. You can rewrite the stories that are broken, that are sitting in this room and are sitting on couches of homes this weekend. You can rewrite the stories of those people that just found this conversation on the internet randomly. You can rewrite those stories. But only if we stop and we recognize that we are only stewards of this life. Would you help us to remember that? It goes against our nature to put you first and to make you the most important thing. But will we do that and will we do it well right now? Jesus, we love you and know that we have got to get life right, but we can do that when we follow you well. When we put you first and recognize that you've called us to love other people ahead of ourselves. Jesus, would you shape us? Would you change us? And if we've never followed you and we thought we had and we kind of been messing around, that we would stop and we'd lean in and say, Jesus, I need you. But we love you and we thank you for this moment.
Would you change us and would you reshape us that we would be the community and the church and the people that you called and created us to be? In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us this weekend. And what a powerful message from Pastor Shane. I know as a new parent, it's things that I need to remember. What kind of story do you want your kids to tell? And maybe you're not a parent, but think about this. Who are the young people in your life that you can be investing your time into? And Pastor Shane brought up some awesome questions to respond and reflect. But if you need them again, I'm going to throw them up on the screen right now for you to screenshot and share with others that you can maybe reflect and respond throughout the week. What kind of story are you going to tell? Well, maybe the message stirred something inside of you and you need prayer. Well, we have pastors and prayer counselors online who would love to pray for you. So make sure you click that live prayer button or you send that direct message on Facebook. Or you can always call us in on our offices at 909-463-0103 where a pastor or a prayer counselor would love to pray for you over the phone. But other than that, we love you guys. If you guys have any questions about things that are happening here at Water of Life, whether it's Ramsey Plus or the seminar that Dr. Jim Burns will be hosting next week, make sure you check out all the information on our website at wolupdates.com. Other than that, we love you. We hope you have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll see you next week. God bless.